This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Well, it is time now for SG Extra. And joining us on the phone lines is Singapore editor for The Straits Times, Akir Hussein. And guess what we are talking about of this course. Monday. <laughs> the Hello, hottest Zakir. news in town. Finance Minister Lawrence Wong will be promoted to Deputy Prime Minister from June 13th. Of course, this is a move that cements his standing as the successor to Prime Minister Lee Hsien Loong. Now, this announcement is actually coming two months after Mr. Wong was endorsed by his peers as the leader of the PAP's fourth generation team. Not much of a surprise, no, is it? not at all. So we're talking now with Zakir Hussein from The Straits Times, who will fill us in on the significance of this happening at this time. So, Zakir, your thoughts on what exactly this signals, even though it doesn't at all come as a surprise, it was going to happen eventually. And a lot of people said sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. I think this move sends a signal to Singaporeans as well as out there that, you know, leadership succession and the transition is well underway. I think just like the case was several years ago when DPM Hing was promoted mm-hmm. after he was chosen as the, you know, first round leader, it was a matter of time before Lawrence Wong would take on the deputy prime minister posts, you know, I guess to, to start his sort of official training and sort of exposure period to the demands of the top job. And there isn't much time left, I think. Speaking of the training, that you're talking about and the demands, he will also continue as coordinating minister for economic policies. BPM Hing will continue oh, as coordinating okay. minister. But I think when... Strategy change, group, that's what strategy I mean. Group, yes, that's, that's right. what I yeah. mean, yes. Yeah, so the strategy group is an interesting role because that's really the big, you know, you could perhaps call it the crack unit, you know, of big picture government thinking. It oversees strategic planning, oversees cross-cutting issues like climate change, population and talent policies, as well as, you know, perhaps long-term trends that could affect Singapore. For instance, trade and food protectionism, you know, extreme weather events. These are major issues that I guess the prospective prime minister will have to be kept abreast of. Is this the reason that all of this was accelerated? You could say that, I think. You know, it's also about midway through the election cycle, you know, and if we're talking about the next general election being called, it has to be called by 2025, you know, or in the later part of 2024. That leaves, I guess, about two years and a little bit Mm. for the DPM Wong you know, as he will be after June 13th, to sort of be exposed to some of these issues. Here's the thing. It was a big question, wasn't it, when all of this was first announced, whether Mr. Wong would be taking the PAP through the next general election or would PM Lee stay prime minister until after the election and then have Mr. Wong take over. So what's the sentiment now that this has happened? I think it's still early days yet, but I guess now that this step has been made, you know, maybe PM might consider whether to hand over before the election or sometime after the election. All right, 2025 is the next election that should be called before that, right? By about then. By about then. So it's, you know, in political years, that's a long time to go. (laughs) Any other developments in the cabinet reshuffle that you can tell us about? I think one interesting move that happened was sort of this uh, swap at, you know, the political office holder who's been moved to the labor movement. So Senior Minister of State Chi Hong Tat is coming back to government full time. Mm-hmm. He's actually going to get an additional post at the Finance Ministry to assist Mr. Lawrence Wong. But Mr. Desmond Tan is going to move over pretty much full time at the labor movement. Have the reasons for these couple of movements been talked about? 
So I think not openly so much, but I think, you know, in its statements, what the NTUC said was that they look forward to working with Desmond Tan. I mean, he's had some exposure, you know, in terms of with the Union of Security Employees, in terms of raising wages and conditions for security workers and security officers. Desmond Tan's also helmed the People's Association for several years, and I think in that capacity, he established quite a good working relationship with union officials and unionists. And he's also got extensive public service experience in the Singapore Armed Forces before that. I guess it does seem that perhaps, you know, the timeline and the clock Mm. is ticking for the next Labour chief to be decided upon or chosen. And I think it does seem that Desmond, you know, they they do want to expose Desmond and possibly even anoint him in the next few years. So all this takes effect on June 13th with the new Deputy Prime Minister, Lawrence Wong, right? That's right. We'd expect them to be sworn in on that day or soon after. Okay. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Let's move on now to talk about uh, something very interesting to many people listening to us right now. The salaries of civil servants in Singapore will be going up 5% and 14%. So 23,000 civil servants will benefit from this pay raise. And what's the decision behind it? It does seem that, you know, especially during the COVID years and the tight labor market, there's been a sort of retention issue with Mm. the civil service. And and I think we've seen quite a number of civil servants leaving, you know, for more competitive, better paying private sector jobs. Right. You could see this is part of the regular series of reviews the civil service does to make sure that it continues to be able to attract the best graduates and the Mm. best talent and stay at least, if not on par with market, at least close to the market. Quite a big deal, Zakir, was made of the fact that, you know, yes, they will stay sort of aligned with market, but not lead the market. So clearly, mm-hmm. this is a hot potato, right? It is quite a sensitive <laughs> issue, isn't it? I think it continues to be a sensitive issue. I think no mention was made of the top tier of, you know, mm. administrative service office offices or their pay, which traditionally has been pegged at a much higher level of the market. You know, we're not sure when or if that, but that I think probably be a bit more contentious, or at least, you know, get a bit more comments when that happens. Okay, Zakir, so according to previous reports, at least for the August 2014 pay increment, civil servants receive a 5% pay increment to keep their salaries competitive. So can you give us like a ballpark or gauge this pay increment they're getting this time around based on the August 14 data that we have? That was nearly 10 years ago, I'd say. This time around, I think the increment is possibly going to be higher for those Mm -hmm. at the lower end. You know, it might have lagged market by a fair bit. But also, it did seem that there was sort of recognition that perhaps workers who are, you know, lower paid deserve a slightly higher increments, you know, to keep up with rising costs and so on. But I have to say between 5 and 14% is sort of a huge blanket. But my guess is I think those at the lower end of the scales would probably get a bit more. Zakir, aside from money, though, what other opportunities will be given to civil servants in order to make work more fulfilling, their careers more fulfilling? Because we know, right, money isn't everything for everyone. 
So I think there's a fair bit going on within public service, I'd say, to make sure that conditions, you know, especially in terms of reviewing employment terms and conditions. I think if you talk about working from home and flex work, the civil service has traditionally been a leader in some of these areas. And I think that will probably continue to be one attractive condition of work in the civil service. But I think some of the points they've mentioned include, you know, job attachments, Structured job rotations, and including even the opportunities to do stints at uh, private sector companies, as well as, uh, you know, depending on the nature of the work at public sector organizations, at social service agencies, and so on, to I think expose public servants with a wider range of career development. Career development, that's, that's right. right. Well, you yeah. know, no doubt throughout the two-year pandemic period we had, civil servants worked extra hard to get us to where we are today. I know for a fact, like, people, you know, at the ICA were constantly having to update uh, all the regulations for people coming into Singapore or staying in Singapore, getting out of Singapore. So they do the, serve, the pay hike, right? Yes, they do, I'm sure, yeah. All right, Zakir, thank you very much for keeping us up to date with the cabinet reshuffle and the civil service pay hike. Of course, you can read more from The Straits Times. Zakir Hussain is the Singapore editor at The Straits Times. The SG Extra podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.